Good morning. Welcome to the first Sunday of Lent, that season of preparation as we get ready for the Easter season, we get ready for Holy Week, and we do it in the hope that the power of resurrection would reside in us and that we would come forth on the other side renewed and strengthened and shaped and formed a little more into the likeness of the risen Christ. This morning, we invite you to take the, uh, the little red registration folders and pass them down the way and register your attendance with us. Um, and if you have any prayer needs or um, a way that we can help you in your walk with, uh, with Christ and in seeking after God, please, by all means, indicate that within the, uh, within the folder. It helps us to serve you better. Um, and lastly, um, obviously, you guys got the memo that it's the uh, spring ahead day, and uh, you're all here with one hour less sleep unless you went to bed extra early last night, which I did not. But um, nonetheless, good to be here in the house of the Lord with all of you, to be here together, to hear God's word, and to enjoy one another's fellowship. Uh, will you pray with me? Holy God, as we begin this time of worship, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us and surround us and make your presence known to us. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. I invite you to take your red hymnals and let's open up to hymn number 178 and let us stand together and join together our what?
Let us pray. Lord, the temptations of the world loom large before us. We are enticed, cajoled, and sweet-talked into moving from lives of service to lives of self-centeredness. We need your healing love. As you resisted the temptations in the wilderness, help us to place our trust in you, that we may be strong in our faith and confident in our service to you through serving others. Amen. If you will now please open your bulletins, we will join together in the call to worship. Long ago, God rescued God's people from slavery. God can and will rescue us. Place your trust in God's love. Even though temptations surround us, drawing us away from God. be seated.
Hear the word of the Lord. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling place. We bring our best before God in recognition that all that we have is an inheritance from God. In celebration of the bounty that God has provided, let us give generously as the ushers wait upon the congregation for this morning's tithes and offerings. We bring these gifts to you, O God, in recognition and gratitude for your loving provision. We offer you our very lives and bow before you in tribute to your many blessings. Take us and use us that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. This we pray in the name of the one who came in holy love, that we might be, have abundant life. Amen. You may be seated. And we've come to a time of a mission moment from a former Wesley student, Nicholas Yatnagparian. Hello, everyone. My name is Nicholas Yatnagparian, and five years ago, I fell in love with an organization called Corazon de Vida. Corazon de Vida means heart of life, and it has become a big part of my heart over the years. Corazon de Vida is a nonprofit, Orange County-based organization that helps support 10 orphanages throughout Mexico. The founder of Corazon was an orphan herself and decided to establish this organization once she went back 
to visit the orphanage that she grew up in and discovered the dire need. The first goal of Corazon is to provide the basic necessities, such as food, shelter, and utilities. The second goal is to provide each child with an education because they believe education is the only way to break the cycle. Growing up, I have always felt very blessed and I wanted to help kids that are not as fortunate as me. Ultimately, I chose to partner with Corazon because I wanted to be able to visit the orphanages, connect with the kids, and physically experience the children's homes. Over the past five years, I've personally connected with some of the, the kids and seen many of the young kids grow to become teenagers. Visiting various orphanages in Tijuana has been a life-changing experience, and I went to the orphanage to help the kids, but they ended up helping me far more than I could have ever imagined. I was surprised to see how happy the kids were, despite the fact that they did not have parents to give them love. I was also fascinated to see how happy the children were, despite the fact that they had minimal material possessions. My work with Corazon has allowed me to meet many wonderful people who share my commitment to help the kids at the orphanage. Every year, I plan one or two private bus trips um, to help the orphanages and visit the kids. These bus trips allow participants to see the kids and connect with them. The day starts off with the Los Angeles visitors playing a game of soccer. Then we have pizza and treats. And finally, kids at the orphanage um, do a choreographed cultural dance for us. And we end the day by touring their facility and greeting each other farewell. Please support me so that we can help the kids at the orphanage by liking my Facebook page, Friends Helping Others, to, f to find out more about the orphanage. Every person can help in different ways. You can join us on a private bus trip, which costs $60 per person. The trip serves as a means to bring awareness to the cause, as well as a fundraiser for the orphanages. The cost of the trip covers the bus fee, as well as lunch for the day. And these funds are matched with the support of a generous sponsor. And to date, we have raised over $20,000, and we're not done yet. <clears throat> if you cannot join us on the trip, you can donate toiletries, because they are in short supply of them. You can also help by spreading the word about the amazing work of Corazon. Please direct message me on Friends Helping Others or email me through the church office. If you would like to support in any capacity, please know that these trips are safe and we are guided by our local, uh, by a local tour guide throughout our visit. Believe me when I say your first trip will not be your last. Thank you for allowing me to share my work with Corazon with you. Our next private bus trip is scheduled on Saturday, April 20th. We leave at 6 in the morning and return the same day by 7.30. Thank you.
Let us pray. <coughs> Holy and loving God, as we come before you this morning, we've gathered here in the hopes that we might focus our hearts and our minds upon you and upon the way of your Son, Jesus Christ, and upon the presence of your Holy Spirit here in your Holy Church. But God, we confess that our attention and our focus is often dissipated. There are things that compete for our attention. There are things that get in the way of our focus. All too often we focus upon ourselves, upon our needs, upon our desires, upon our timetable, upon our ways. So often we get pulled to try and think about how other people think. Maybe we look for political solutions. Or maybe we listen to other voices. Or maybe we even listen to our doubts. God, we desire to focus upon you. To walk in your way. And Lord, if we are off path, we ask that you would gently correct us back to where we need to be. Lord, we set aside those things that lead us away from your way. We turn. Retrace our path until we are back within. Following the way of love, of faith, hope. Lord, forgive us when we wander. We give us thanks for the way that you come and find us and bring us back. Lord, as we offer these prayers to you, we offer them in a world in the midst of a world that is still uh, incredibly polarized, broken apart. Where we search for community search for fellowship, we search for compassion and mercy. Lord, we pray that somehow we, as your children, be a part of putting those pieces back together. Lord, that the compassion and mercy and forgiveness and kindness and the gentleness with which we go about representing you would be a part of the healing of the world, would be a part of the healing of the nation. Or that truly would be done here as it is done in your kingdom. The Lord give us the courage and the discipline Be your medicine in the society that is in need of healing.
Lord, we take a moment to lift up to you in silence. Prayers for those who are sick or injured or in recovery. Lord, we pray for those who are dealing with poverty, famine. Lord, we pray for those who are experiencing estrangement. we pray for those who are experiencing discouragement. And Lord, we pray for our enemies. Lord, we offer these prayers up to you, confident that you hear them that you will respond in your great wisdom and in your relentless tenderness, even as we pray the prayer which you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. The scripture lesson for this first Sunday of Lent is from Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was being tempted by the devil for 40 days. During that time, he ate nothing at all, and when they were over, he became hungry. The devil told him, since you are the Son of God, Tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One must not live by bread alone, 
but on every word of God. The devil also took him to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in an instant. He told Jesus, I will give you all this authority along with their glory because it is given to me and I give it to anyone I please. So you will worship me, all this will be yours. But Jesus answered him, it is written, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil also took him into Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He told Jesus, since you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here because it is written, God will put his angels in charge of you to watch over you carefully. With their hands, you will hold, they will hold you up so that you will never hit your foot against a rock. Jesus answered him, it has been said, you must not tempt the Lord your God. After the devil had finished tempting Jesus in every way possible, he left him alone until another time. Here ends the reading of this morning's scripture. May the Lord add his blessing on these words. So last night was the uh, party that celebrated the 20th year of the Wesley School being in existence and sharing our property. Uh, it is unfortunate that it fell on the time that we lose an hour of sleep. But as I open up my sermon this morning, that, that idea of lack of sleep plays into this opening illustration because it was many years ago that, that my buddy Will and I had traveled up to Fresno uh, to watch our friends in the California State Track and Field Championships for Community College. And, uh, and we had, had gotten up really, really early and driven from Orange County up into Fresno. And when we got there, we had brought our bicycles. We went on a big ride, and it was hot. And then we spent all day out in the sun, running around, cheering our friends on, and by the time we got back on the road, it was, it was probably about midnight, and we had been up since like five in the morning. Um, and Will had driven on the way up, and we were driving his truck, and he said, well, why don't you drive on the way home? And I said, oh, I, I can do that. And well, let's just say as we were heading down Highway 99, I, don't, I can't remember exactly where we were. But at some point, I drifted off. And what I remember is kind of slowly coming back into awareness and realizing that I'm staring down into my lap. And I'm trying to figure out where I'm at. And I turn my head and I look over and Will is asleep leaning against the window of his truck. And there's this red light shining out of his mouth. And I'm thinking, what is, why is there light shining out of Will's mouth? And then all of a sudden I realized the light wasn't coming from his mouth. It was one of the running lights on an Arco gasoline truck. And it was about six inches away from the side of the truck. And yes, we, I had fallen asleep and we had drifted across our lane and this truck was going by us, probably thinking, what is this guy doing? He's going to run me off the road. 
And you can believe me, I woke up really quick right then and there, and I swerved back into our lane. And I was wide awake, but I also knew it was time to pull off the highway and find a spot where we could park, and I took a little nap before we continued. I'm grateful to have made it home. We did not crash. I did not damage Will's truck, but I have no idea how long I was asleep. Um, But I tell that story because I want to illustrate the importance that lanes have in our lives. They keep us organized as we move through life. We are such a car-centered society that if it weren't for the lanes that we have learned to stay in, we would run into each other. We would hurt one another. It would be chaos in the midst of our living. On this first morning of Lent, I want us to consider the roles that these lanes play in our lives. My Lenten series this year is going to be called The Jesus Way. And through the next seven weeks, we're going to explore what it means to walk in the way of Christ. And the season of Lent was designed to focus our attention upon Christ. It's 40 days of focusing on our spiritual formation refocusing upon what it means to walk the way that Christ calls us to walk. And I want us to remember that before the church was called the church, they were actually called the way. And the way was considered to be a subgroup of Judaism, a subgroup that ordered their lives according to the unique teachings and directions of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. So when we talk about the way of Christ, we are talking about ordering our lives according to the way that Jesus taught his disciples to live. And we begin with the scripture that was read this morning. The scripture set right at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Immediately before this, what he's done is he has gone and he's to see his cousin John And there, John is doing the baptizing of people for the repentance of sin there in the Jordan River. And Jesus is gone, and he's waded out into the water. And John has baptized him. He's put the water over him. And as he's pulled him up, Jesus has this really powerful experience. He sees the Holy Spirit descend like a dove upon him. And he hears this voice. And the voice says, You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And in this moment, Jesus suddenly has confirmed who he is and what he is called to do. And so what Jesus does is he goes on something that's like a a vision quest. In the Middle Eastern tradition, in that religious tradition, if you wanted clarity, you would go out. You would go out to the desert You'd go out into the wilderness, you'd go up on the mountain, and you would set aside time to retreat from the world, to retreat from distractions, so that you could focus on prayer in the hopes that you would have a revelation about what God was calling you to do, and that God would give you the strength and the direction and the courage and the wisdom to be able to do what God was calling you to do. The quests often involved fasting and that idea of being removed from your distractions 
and having to deal with uh, things that you normally look to to sustain you and instead having to say, no, I'm going to focus upon God sustaining me during this time. And it would prepare you for some great task. It would purify you for some great thing that God had for you. And it's here in the midst of these 40 days that Jesus is tempted. That he is tempted. And the temptations that he faced are similar to the temptations that we face. But the deepest temptation is for him to carry out his call in a way that God has not called him to do it. So somewhere during this this time, this quest, Jesus is getting really hungry. Obviously that happens when you fast. And it's at this time of great hunger that the tempter comes to him. And the first temptation is to turn the the stones that are all around him into bread. You can imagine being absolutely starving and looking around at all these rocks. And there are a lot of rocks in Israel. And thinking, gosh, if I could just turn that to bread. And the tempter says, if you're the son of God, you can turn these stones to bread. You can fill your stomach. You will not die of hunger. You you don't have to do that. Just turn these stones into bread. And Jesus beats back that temptation by quoting scripture. Ah, but it says, one shall not live by bread alone. And then sometime later, the tempter takes him up to a hill, up to the top of a hill, and there in a vision shows him all of the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory and riches and wealth and and their influence and their power and their glory. Then says, hey, I'm going to give you all of these things. These are mine to give if you will just worship me. You're the son of God. These things could be yours. Just worship me. And again, Jesus retorts with scripture and says, but it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then in the third test, the tempter takes Jesus to the temple, takes him up to the top, and this is the biggest building that any of these people have ever seen. And it's up at the top of the temple that he says, you know, it is written, Jesus, that God will not let you be dashed upon the ground and that the angels will come and lift you up. So if you throw yourself... If you're the son of God and you throw yourself off of the temple, the angels will come and catch you. Guess what? All those people that are in the temple who have come to worship God, they're going to see you, they're going to know who you are, and they are going to worship you, and all of the religious authority is going to be given to you. And you won't have to struggle because people will be kneeling down And people will be receiving what you give without question. But again, Jesus stands firm and responds 
It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And that haunting word, and the tempter departs from him until an opportune moment. Three temptations. Comfort, political power and glory and authority, religious authority, and have himself, Jesus at the very center of them all. And you know, when I was growing up and I would hear these stories and I would be told, you know, these are sins and, you know, and I would think, how are these things sinful? How is it... How is it bad to make sure that you have enough to eat? How is it bad to, you know, have power in the government so that you can do good? How is it bad to be able to have some kind of religious authority that inspires people to do good things in the world and to seek after God? How are those things sinful? And of course, what I was always told, well, no, you know, the, the, the temptation really is, you know, one is, is, you know, to serve yourself or to listen to the tempter or to take the glory of God for yourself. And those things are all true. That is a part of what would have been wrong for Jesus to listen to the tempter. But if you stop and think about it, all three of these temptations are asking Jesus to depart from the path that God has called him to. They are set in that little bit of doubt that Jesus surely had. Did I really hear that voice at my baptism? Am I really the son of God? Is God truly pleased with me? Am I a beloved of God? Has God really called me to walk in a way that might lead me to suffering and death, but also will raise up a people of God that will display God's power of resurrection? And I'm sure that in this, Jesus is tempted to do it his own way. A way that is free from suffering. A way that starts from the top down. A way that gives him empirical power. Or a way that will cause him to have the center seat in the temple. Really give it to those Pharisees and Sadducees. A way to be worshipped and revered. A way that doesn't lead to rejection and death. A way that doesn't have God at the center. But again, that greatest temptation is to doubt who he is and to doubt his relationship with God. If you are the Son of God, if you are beloved, if God is, is God really pleased with you? And here's where it hits home to us. Don't we all face those same kinds of doubts? 
Don't we all wonder at different times, am I a beloved of God? Am I God's child? Is God really there? Does God really have a call for me, for our church? Does it make a difference? This whole gentleness and forgiveness and mercy and loving your enemies, is it effective? Couldn't we do things faster another way? Is God's way really the best way? It doesn't seem efficient. It doesn't seem quick. And so what is our temptation? Our temptation is to do it our own way. It's to take it into our own hands and our own wisdom and to do it by ourselves. And we know it ends up happening. We screw it up. We make a mess of it. Because somehow in the middle of it, we place ourselves. We become the focus. We become the beneficiary. We are tempted to leave the way that God has called us to walk in. And key piece here is that we stay in our lane. We stay in the lane that God has put us in. The temptation is to take the exit sign and to get out of our lane and to get off of the highway and to do it for ourselves, to please ourselves. But we're not here to please ourselves. We're here to please God. We're here to serve God. We're here to walk in the way of Christ. Now in our United Methodist Church tradition, we are certainly in the middle of a big swirl and a big mess and all kinds of uncertainties. But we know what we are called to here in our church that call to embrace all, that call to affirm one another, that call that all are beloved and that all will walk and serve and have a place in God's church. And each of us individually has a space and a call that God has put on us. You know, it was great to hear Nicholas and his call that he has discovered about going and serving orphans in, in these orphanages in Mexico. And what he's learned from that, what they have taught him in the midst of doing good. I keep hearing testimonies of people as they set out to do things that they wonder if they are too big for them or too difficult to do. And yet in the midst we find out that God has a way of picking up, strengthening us, of bringing people alongside us to help us in these tasks and in these ways. And we begin to see that we can take the next step and we can keep moving forward. And we begin to see God's kingdom arise around us and within us. But we got to stay in our lane in order for this to happen. We can't deviate, we can't get off the highway. We can't fall asleep at the wheel either. 
don't give in to the temptation to change the lane or to give off of the highway. Stay in your lane. Listen to the call that God has put out for you and let us together walk in the way of Christ. Where only three things remain when it all boils away. Love, faith, and hope. These are the three things. And the good news here is that if we find that we are out of our lane, God lets us come back into our place. Years ago, I, there was a sixpence, none the richer song, and, and the words that were in it were um, that, that if you're on your way, you can turn around. Or, or if, if you find that you're going wrong, you can turn around. Just, it's easy. You're on the wrong path, turn around until you get back to the right path. If you're out of the lane, make your course correction. Get back into your lane. Let us walk with Christ. We need to come back to the way. This is your invitation. And if we're in the middle of it, let's stay in our lane and walk with Christ. Amen.
All right, we've come to a time of announcements. Thank you again for spending your important worship time here with us, and thank you, Nicholas, for coming out and sharing your mission moment with us. If I can draw your attention to the back of the bulletins, there you can find contact information, this week's schedule of events, and altar flower dedications, and please let us know how we can be here for you as well. We'd like you to join us for coffee hour after worship, which is in the lounge out these doors to my right, your left. We can share refreshments together, but most importantly, sharing our lives with one another. So please try and stay for a few minutes. Wednesday is the United Methodist Women General Luncheon at noon in the Low Filo Room. It's a $3 donation. You're waving at me. Oh, sad. It's not happening. Okay, erase that. Please cross that out. Um, if you'd like to be a part of worship and you maybe can sing, come on out to a choir rehearsal on Wednesday night at 7.30 here in the main sanctuary. Thursday night, we will continue our Lenten soup, supper, and vespers with Bible study led by Pastor Steve. We had a lovely gathering last week, homemade soup and bread. It was comforting, and the words were really inspiring. So please join us for this Lenten event and begin your spiritual discipline if you haven't already. That's at 730 in the lounge. On Saturday, March 14th, I'm calling this the Are You Feeling Lucky Game Night, 6.30 p.m. in the lounge. Come on out and join the group, and it goes very late, so come out anytime that night. And if you would like to sponsor altar flowers, look inside your bulletin. There's an insert. Circle the date you'd like and donate in honor or in memory of your loved ones. Um, we, you'll be beautifying our worship space, and also you get to take the entire arrangement home with you at the end of worship, so let the church office know. And also, be sure to grab a Lent and Holy Week worship schedule. We have more in the narthex behind you before you leave. Big one I want to note is God Talk. This is something new with Pastor Steve at the District Pub. It is going to begin on March 19th at 8 o'clock in the evening, and District Pub is right on Lancashire. Um, so go ahead and grab this information, invite a friend, hand one out this week, and also has all the information for Holy Week and Easter that's coming up in just a few weeks. So with those things in our hearts and minds, let us conclude this morning's worship service. Please stand if you're able. Open your red hymnals to number 714. I know whom I have believed.
So may the faith and the hope and the love of Jesus Christ guide you and help you stay in your lane. And may we go with power and courage to serve Christ and to be light in the world. Go in peace. Amen.